genre. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute, the daily podcast where we investigate the gunfights, car chases, and proper action of Hot Fuzz one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And today we're about to go off on Minute 23, which begins with Danny asking Angel if he's seen Lethal Weapon and ends with Reverend Shooter introducing himself to Nicholas. A lot of new players introduced today. Yes. A lot of new members on the board. A lot of NWA. It's uh, yeah, a lot of lot of lot of world building in this one. It's kind of it reminds me of, of of like a video game level where you're just like introduced to all of these like new NPCs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, and I and I just love it because uh, you know, there's certainly an Ag- Agatha Christie. Yeah, here are uh, all quality. the suspects. Yeah, here are all the suspects. Right, you're going to introduce all the people on the train. Yeah, I mean, that, we, we you know to bring up Olivia Coleman's own. Uh, performance and murder on the Orient Express is always that really quaint, reliable scene where it's like you know he just kind of wanders around, kind of almost like a, like a role playing game, and it's like yeah you're introduced to, and it's I don't know it's kind of after the fact funny because I don't I remember watching this for the first time and much like Nicholas Angel kind of expecting this deep labyrinth like mystery where every single person is like, oh, I got to remember who that is. I got to remember who that is. How are these people connected? Who's married? And then like very little of it ends up mattering. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing that I love. So, so there's this one beat at the beginning of this, before we even get to the NWA meeting, um, there's this bit at the beginning, like obviously he's going over the, the movies, um, which uh, there is one film cut out of this oh, section. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like in the original scene before it was like when it was a scene and not a montage, mm-hmm. um, it originally started with Dirty Harry. What about Dirty Harry? Okay. Uh, n- evening. No. Lethal Weapon. Evening. No. Ah! Right. You've yeah. seen Die Hard though. Evening. No. Bad Boys 2. Evening. No. You haven't seen Bad Boys 2. Dirty Harry doesn't seem like a Danny movie. It seems like a Frank movie. Yeah, you would think so. Like Danny seems like he's, 80s, strictly 80s. Yeah, like he, he's his memory starts at the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think too. Um, but there is this bit in the montage that I like a lot where it it's a it's a quick cut close up of of Angel writing something down and it's his time card. Yes. It's his yeah. clock out time. Yeah. And if you look, he worked from 8:46 a.m. to 1800 hours, which is 6 o'clock. And so he worked, he worked a full shift from 8.46 to 6 o'clock. And if you look at everyone else's, and it's hard because they're blurry because it's like a very tight close-up. Yeah. But um, we have the person above him came in at 9 and only worked until 5.50. So they don't even use military time like he does. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, and then down below, someone came in at 9.10 and left at 5.45. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, but at the same time, it's sort of like, well, I respect them for at least putting like their honest time yeah, in. That's how little they know that it matters. Like, right. We don't even have to. I mean, what's wrong with it? That's how long I worked. Yeah. So he came in first and, and left last. And he used military time. And used military time. Yeah. It's pretty great. 
I like that. It's a great visual little storytelling joke. Yeah, that no one is going to see because it goes by in the blink of an eye. Except us because yeah. we're monsters. Yeah. Um, so if nothing else, at least we'll have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get our first locker room bit. Uh, and as we can see, Doris Thatcher does indeed get dressed in the same locker room with everyone else. Sure. Um, so seems like a you know Starship uni- unisex. Yeah, uh, yeah, Starship Troopers, right? Exactly. Um, there Starship is, Troopers. There is an extra bit in this that uh, they cut out um, when Angel opens the locker. Uh, a bunch of apples were supposed to fall out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, a bunch of apples were supposed to fall out of it, and then uh, and then uh, Danny says that weren't me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nick is is convulsing Okay, sorry, no, it just like It started out like a three Joke, I'm like, it's kind of stupid That weren't me Yeah, that would have, yeah, that would have That would have killed That weren't me Um, (laughs) And uh, and the the other officers Are sniggering uh, the Andes Fisher and Thatcher, who is in her bra. Yeah. Um, and we hear a round of applause. Man, so. it's like the most charming. Because, yeah, like oh, that is, this is very much like a oh, guy. I hate that this is the first thing that pops to my head. But, you know, in Bright, where they're all just like, <laughs> where they're all just shitting on the, the on Jacoby. Uh, on the Joel Edgerton uh, orc. Sure. I remember that in the script. I never saw the movie. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because didn't he like put them all on Google Drive or whatever? Like, you could read all of them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, he did. yeah, but, but yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, anytime in a, in a in a cop movie where they're all like piling on the protagonist, you always like, oh, I hate those cops. Like, oh, those cops are such bullies. Like, you know, even in, like in Zootopia, right? You're kind of like, oh, why are they being so mean to Judy Hopps? I'm mad. I bring up Zootopia a lot in the show. But anyway, <laughs> um, I don't know. Somehow, the way that the Sanford Police Department does it, even in the script form, it's like it's still kind of funny, and right? Weird it's just and... it's just a locker full of apples. <laughs> yeah, like how bad can you really be? Yeah. Um, mostly I'm impressed about how they got so many apples in that they could like just tumble out of the locker. Yeah. Like how they get those in there and shut it. Like, yeah. It's almost like a space joke. The idea of just like too many apples falling out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so then we are, uh, back at the Swan hotel, um, for a meeting with the NWA. Okay. And uh, that's when we get um, uh, in the function room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when we get introduced to quite a few people. Yes. Um, first of which is the elementary school teacher, Amanda Paver. Mm-hmm. Amanda Paver, played by Lorraine Hilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, she of uh, the Bill, Little Britain, all of the uh, all of the mainstays. And uh, yeah, not a lot of film credits that I, that I recognized, but uh, a member of... The British film industry, nonetheless. Oh, okay. She's probably is mostly a stage actress, it looks like. You know? Um, oh, she was in the Benicio del Toro Wolfman. Oh. Okay. Okay. She's in an episode of Luther. Great. Um, EastEnders, of course. Of course. Of course. As Helen, the Bill. Uh, surprisingly, never in Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, in a movie called Lady Bird, Lady Bird. Yeah. I'm surprised that she's never been in... Uh, in in Doctor Who at some point. Oh, City of Ember. City that's of a, Ember. That's a that's like a like a secret favorite of mine. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people saw it. So uh, so anyway, so that's the elementary school teacher, um, Amanda Fever. Uh and then uh, we move on, and 
he is introduced to uh, reintroduced to Simon Skinner. Man, yeah, just uh, aggressive. Um, oh, we're, oh, we're already firm friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. He kind of, you know, he and Frank kind of remind me of uh, the Man in Black and Jacob and Lost. Mm-hmm. Where, like, they both represent these kind of deities in Sanford, like these <laughs> larger-than-life, untouchable figures. Sure. But whereas Frank kind of has, like, an almost Hobbit-like reaction to power of, like, I know I can kill all of you, but I, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, like... Simon Skinner just kind of with his subtext is just kind of reminding you of mm-hmm. his power with every statement, every like even act of goodwill yeah. is secretly kind of like a big dick move. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Frank seems like almost and, and kind of it's sometimes it's only condescending if you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the fir- your first run through, you're just, yeah, he's just like a benign kind of kind old man. Right. That's true. That's true. He's more of like um, that sort of quiet confidence, like the the confidence that the like the thing you're always we're always referencing with like people who like dudes have like gigantic cars because they're com- com- you know uh, yeah uh, 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 compensating for yes. something yeah like um, and it, and it's like okay yeah he doesn't need to compensate mm-hmm. he's just like oh it's fine yeah I but just, then you know I, I remember reading like Bossy Pants Tina Fey's book. And like the way she described her dad was he was kind of like an unassuming, kind of more common guy, mm-hmm. but you were drawn to his energy. Sure. You're like, whoa, this guy doesn't need anything from anybody. And sure. that kind of has its own kind of power to it. Yeah, it's inter- it's an interesting, I don't know, looking at, at, at these two characters as like the, arguably the two most powerful people in town. Oh, for sure. Totally. Yeah. They never, ever come into contact with one another, hardly ever. Yeah, not really. They're Just not, a few times. I yeah, think. it doesn't like. It's not like either of them is like vying for more power. Yeah, actually, like the NWA in general, there's very little inter conflicts. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really interesting. There is, there's like it's almost like there's another movie going on here where it's it, it is the NWA as this force in the town versus. Frank's police force because Frank isn't at this NWA meeting. No, no, very true. Yeah, so it's almost as if there is an there's a little bit of like um yeah like uh, sort of um like in 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 like a like a Gotham City scenario where like previous yeah. mayors or police officers would be like I don't like it but it's better you than some other crazy person. Yeah, yeah. I know? know. I know what goes on in the Narrows. Right. But I don't, yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to let it happen. You don't need to pay me off. Yeah, or it's like how Jim Gordon can wander into, like, Penguin's bar. Yeah. And, like, Penguin will, like, act kind to Jim. Right, right, like, right. There's this kind of, like, untouchability. But, yeah, you're right. But, like, it, it, the police are, the police really fascinate me in this movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, they wouldn't be as carefree as they were. Well, it's kind of like what Frank said. Like they think they're in charge. They think they're the ones. That, maybe they, they're not allowed to realize how you how much of a front their whole job is. Right. Yeah. Totally. And they just found the great group of knuckleheads that like won't ask any questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, speaking of knuckleheads, we have Leslie Tiller. Uh, yes. Which that name Tiller is. I want. I'm. I'm working on a theory. Um, I got to look at the other other characters, and maybe this will immediately fall apart. But she's one of the only NWA m- members who everyone's last name is some sort of profession, but it's usually not a profession that matches their actual profession, except for Leslie Tiller. Oh, okay. 
right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, like you you till soil. Um, I almost wonder if uh, the ones who die, the ones who are killed, are the ones who match their profession, and then everyone else matches more of like a, a vaguely threatening profession for their right. last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Leslie Miller, Leslie Tiller, played by Anne Reed, NBE, who has like dozens and dozens of credits, including uh, re- relevant to our interests, uh, the episode of Doctor Who titled Smith and Jones. Oh, right. Yeah, she was the alien. She was the baddie. Mm-hmm. That's right. And she's been in adaptations of Bleak House, The Jury, Doc Martin, has a BAFTA nomination. Just, you know, I don't know. Just, and most recently, she was in uh, uh, 2017's classic, The Snowman. You could have saved her, Mr. Policeman. <laughs> oh, Mr. man. Police. If only she could have said that at some point in this episode. Saved this, her, this Mr. Movie. Policeman. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. So uh, Leslie Tiller, uh, she's a good one. She has a great scene late, much later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Anne Reed, prolific actress. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, and we have this this interesting moment where Joyce uh, Cooper says she's ever so good, and it's like it's, <laughs> it's like it's like vaguely shippable, like in the moment, like where you're just like, oh, are they having like kind of like an affair? We're like, yeah, you kind of. This first run through of the movie, you kind of can believe anything because, like, that—that's a very like Wicker Man, Suspiria, sex party thing to say. Mm-hmm. Of, like, we're all part of this. Like, I don't know. Like, the the machinations of this group fascinate me. Yeah, there's just like a little weird, like it's like a weird energy in that moment. Yeah, this kind of like spooky Kubrickian world that the, this this half of the movie universe occupies. Yeah. Like, yeah, the idea of any of the members of the Sanford police interacting with Billy Whitelaw's character is hilarious. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, so, yeah, so that's Leslie Tiller. We have this great uh, welcome sergeant floral arrangement <laughs> um, that, that Leslie Tiller has uh, has created for him. Uh, and then we are introduced to uh, the farmer. Um, this is, uh, what, James Reaper, right? Is that right? Yes. Played by uh, Kenneth Cranham. Okay. He of uh oh my gosh, just 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 another another actor with just like a mountain of credits across yeah. many decades. Upstairs downstairs. Upstairs downstairs. Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Ooh. Available now on Netflix. Oh. This is the only two I've seen is the first two. Okay. Uh was nominated for a Lawrence Olivier Award. Oh. Multiple from what I understand. And yeah, just uh, just another prolific actor. God bless him. Still alive. Age mm-hmm. 74. Two children. And uh, important, to, uh, important to point out that um, he is a farmer and uh, he owns a gun, as we see later. Yes. And he has a mother who also owns a gun, as we see later. Thus canonizing uh, Andy's line. Right. Of every one of their moms packing around here. Yeah. Farmers. Farmers. Moms. moms. Yes. I think I think every line of dialogue in this movie is like a closed circuit. Like yeah, I, I think everything eventually like has like a counter. Oh yeah, like I don't. Mirror. I don't. I don't think anything isn't tied up. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, there's this great moment where um, Reaper invites Nicholas to go shooting uh, with him, and uh, Nicholas says he hasn't held a firearm in over two years, uh, and uh, would to like keep to it that way. Yeah. wants to keep it like that. Keep it that way. Which um, I love because it sort of sets up this like interesting, unforgiven 
uh, yeah. kind of element. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, it sort of allows the audience to kind of root for Nicholas still, even as he enters his like Michael Bay, Tony Scott levels mm-hmm. of bloodshed, because you know that this character understands the weight of it. Right. He's not like some dick in a lesser action movie where it's like, see the way his head blew off? Yuck, right. yuck, yuck. Where it's like, <laughs> oh no, he, he's a he's a decent man that's been driven to violence. I get to have fun watching it right. as the audience member. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, and it is like that Unforgiven, the Unforgiven, like, you know, final act of Unforgiven where, yeah. where you know, the whole movie, you're waiting for him to pick up a gun. He's like, I'm never going to shoot a gun again. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're just waiting. You're thing. waiting for it to happen. Exactly, yeah. It's yeah, like, and then uh, it finally does, and you're just like, oh, shit. Oh, why did I want this? Yeah, yeah, right, right. And that's sort of what they're playing off of, only except that it's it's like, and you get that little taste of it at the carnival, mm-hmm. but that's it. Like, oh. Yeah. It's like a flash. You know, there's this great episode of the uh, the Disney One Saturday Morning Cartoon Recess where uh, <laughs> Gus, the uh, the new, the, you know, not unlike Nicholas Angel, uh, mm-hmm. uh, outside a transplant into a very deep, complicated social world. Find you find out that in his previous school he was uh, this like just just a fucking blood general in dodgeball. Oh. Like, he would just waste dudes, and it got so bad that at one point I think like he put a kid in a coma or something, and he was like never again. I'm never picking up a dodgeball. But then he does to save his friends at his new school. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You combine those two things, and you get hot fuzz. You get, you get hot fuzz. <laughs> um, another example I can think of is uh, Old Man Logan. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, where actually, like, I, it's not like this in the movie, Logan. Yes, the comic book series. But in the comic book series, uh, he has settled down with a family um, and has made the decisions to never pop the claws again. Yeah. And so he's just like, oh, I'm just a man. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who this Wolverine person is. I'm just a man named Logan, an old man. I've got a, I've got a kid. I've got a wife. Like, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, a blind Hawkeye comes a calling, yeah. Uh, and and uh, some people kill his family, and then he still says like, "Okay, I'm gonna help you find the people who did this, but I'm not popping the claws. I'm not popping the claws. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it." And then like over the course of the comic, you find out why he doesn't want to pop his claws, mm-hmm. um, and it's because the last time he popped his claws, he killed the entire the entirety of the X Men yeah. in a berserker rage. Uh, uh, placed into him by uh, Morph, like Mister Sinister or something I like miss that. Morph. Um, but <laughs> oh God, but 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 then of course at the end of the comic, you know, in the final fight, like I think the 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 end of the second to last issue, the penultimate issue, yeah, he finally like pops his claws for the first time oh, in like you know so, in like fifty so years. Cathartic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you and, understand the weight, it, right? It, yeah. Exactly. Like I love that. I love the 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 catharsis moment of like putting off that moment of like yes, yeah. So you can feel it when it happens. Yeah, that's you know? why you go to the movies. You know, I I I, I think that in taken correctly in a, in a healthier society, film violence is allowed to be a cathartic way to get that out. I think it's why you look at movies in Japan where there's sort of a relatively low. I I, I sound so ignorant even saying this, but you know, from the outside looking in. It seems like Japan's allowed to be a little more sexual or violent in their art mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect their culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas as an American, sometimes it seems like we aren't allowed to be very sexual or, you know, like we kind of chastise stuff in the media, but we kind of hide from it in our very violent real life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but anyway, 
Whatevs. The farmer makes a joke about about him being popular with birds because he doesn't want to pick up a gun. And it's the goddamn I have been Nicholas Angel so many times where I'm just like at a gathering back home in, in the south and just someone kind of makes like a, a well-natured kind of southern dad joke where it's like, well, don't don't miss don't bother. Don't miss the traffic in L.A. And everyone kind of like, ha, 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 ha. And you kind of have to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't want to like break the social construct and not laugh or smile. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And it's like, hey, yes, yes, I am. Or like, oh, you're a writer. Oh, well, well, I'll, here, here's some dirt. I don't know. Like, and you're like, ha, 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 yes, yes. Yeah. Why don't you get your hands dirty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why don't you, you go work for Jay Leno? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Yes. He's a- Jay Leno, who still works in the entertainment yes, industry. Never hasn't spent a nickel of his uh, Tonight Show money. <laughs> does it all, that does it all stand up? Uh, and finally, we are introduced to Reverend Shooter. Yes, played by the legendary Paul Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he of Belloc fame and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I did not know this until doing research for the show. Uh, hashtag 90s kids. Hashtag millennials. Uh, Paul Freeman portrayed Ivan Ooze in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. What? Yes. This changes everything. An entire generation believes him to be Christopher Lloyd, but he's in fact Paul Freeman. This changes everything. How about taking another quack at it? Reverend Shooter is Ivan Ooze. This changes everything. Yes. About about the world, about my life. I don't I don't even know who I am right now. That's It's a it's a transformative performance. That's insane. He also played Watson in uh in Michael Caine's Sherlock Holmes stuff. Oh yeah, that's interesting Look as well. Um, man, that's uh, wow. Ivan Ooze really, really, and he would work with Simon Pegg again in 2012 as a Fantastic Fear of Everything. Oh, Ooh, I haven't nice. seen that movie in a long. Oh, Doctor Friedkin. He was probably Simon Pegg's like psychiatrist. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, man, Ivan. You Ooze, haven't seen that movie? I have. I oh, have. you have? Just not in a while. Not in a yeah, while. I just yeah. remember him like having a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen. Uh, Hector in the search for happiness. Yeah, that's on my list. It's good. It's it's yeah. it's it's solid, but yeah. it's not like it's not like super super great. Yeah. Um. It is just nice seeing uh Simon Pegg and Rosamund Pike and another thing together. Oh, fun, fun. Yeah. She, yeah. But yeah, no, Ivan is what an iconic villain. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just saying that a lot. <laughs> insane. Oh man! I mean, but kind of like it for our generation. Yeah, I mean, he single-handedly brought Zordon to his knees. I remember that being tremendously affecting as a kid. Yeah, it was. It would be like watching someone just like beat up Optimus in a parking lot. God, Ivan Ooze. You know, I, I, I gotta be honest. If they had, if the, if that Power Rangers movie had made more money, the reboot, sure. Um, and they had done Ivan Ooze again, I feel like it would have been a larger hit a than they hit. were expecting. Right, because it, it would have tapped into that kind of 90s. Because like, it's the wait, only what? time that character has ever appeared in anything. Yes, no, he hasn't really been repeated in the mythos, to my knowledge. No, no. I mean, did you ever catch that 2016 movie with Brian Cranston? Yeah. It was fine. It was solid. It was fine, just really forgettable. That's I the felt. thing. Is it just It didn't have that extra like oomph. Yeah, it needed it, it needed a little more personality. I think. Yeah, it needed like like forty percent more personality. Like everyone else needed to be in the movie that Elizabeth Banks was in. Uh huh. 
Agreed completely. And no, everyone needed to be in the movie that Elizabeth Banks was in, which was the same movie that opened the movie. Right. Where Brian Cranston was a Power Ranger. Yes. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Like I, I, I was when the movie opened, I was just like, oh man. We're this, it now. Yeah. this is gonna be insane. Rita. Yeah. And it just it just was not that. I wanted something closer in tone, I think, to Venom. Yeah. Or or Bumblebee. Venom or Bumblebee. Yeah. yeah. I wanted somewhere either or, and instead it was strictly down the middle of those two things, yeah. which was like, the it's like the most generic version of what that movie Definitely. could have been. Whereas Venom, you know... Uh, you can call Venom a lot of things, but generic is not one of them. Yeah, it has its own kind of like weird, offbeat, fat, like Fast and Furious underworld heart to it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just unmistakable. But yeah, and then whereas Bumblebee is like genuinely a solid... Well really made, great. really great. Like you know, like that, like Brad Bird quote about popcorn made really fresh, right? Gourmet and it, it feels like a uh, like a like a like a Brad Bird movie. Yeah, definitely. like it really does. It feels like Brad Bird made a Transformers movie. Like mm. that's what Bumblebee feels like. Um, anyway, we're not reviewing those movies, but yeah, we haven't, I have a we, we haven't had a really chance to vent about how good Bumblebee was since we saw it. Oh man, really Ivan bad. Ooze says, "Fuck off, Grasshopper." Fuck off, Grasshopper. Oh my God, that changes everything. And Nick, he's still Belloc. I just don't. Oh man, Belloc. What? What? What is that? Raiders. Oh wait, what? Re- wait, re- wait, really? Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Rene Belloc. Oh my God, what? <laughs> I'm like losing my mind. That's like that was his kind of like that's the legacy role from for Hot Fuzz. It's like we got. Belloc. Yeah, we got Belloc and the guy from Wicker Man and Billy White Law. Oh my God, but he's also Ivan. Yeah. Now I'm losing my mind because Belloc is Ivan Ooze. <laughs> yeah, like it has layers. Oh my God, this is insane. Oh, I'm sorry. He wasn't Watson. He was Professor Moriarty. Which is, wow, so he's been Moriarty. Yeah, Watson was Ben Kingsley in that version. And the Michael Caine, it was Michael Caine as... Okay. Sherlock, okay. Ben Kingsley as Watson. See, I think you switched that. I think Michael Caine is more effective as like the everyman. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the maybe it is the opposite. Oh, but who knows? I uh, don't know. But yeah, man, to be to be Belloc, to be Ivan Ooze, to be Professor Moriarty, and Reverend wow. Shooter. Wow, what a career, dude! I want to see Ivan Ooze as Professor Moriarty and El- Bo- Be- 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 Belloc. Oh my God! Wow, this is I I'm totally blown away by this. Paul Freeman is he still alive? Still with us? Oh man! Oh man! I didn't even I didn't even look at his TV stuff, dude. Those TV stuff's pretty standard. Midsummer Murders, Da Vinci's Demons, Da Vinci's Demons, The Bible, uh, Samuel. Oh, very English Scandal, which I've been meaning to watch. Is apparently pretty good. It just sounds like a Thirty Rock joke. It does. It does very much so. But yeah. Oh, but do you know who wrote it? Very English Scandal. No, Russell T Davies. Oh man! Well, now I have to. Yeah, when I found out about that, I was like, "Oh my god, what?" And so, like, now I really want to watch it. Yeah, he knows how to throw a party. It's true. It's true. Well, he was Paul Freeman was also in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles as Belloc. As I have to assume, not Belloc. Oh, maybe. That maybe, makes sense. maybe maybe he was playing Belloc in like a in like a flashback or something. Yeah. Belloc in a flashback. I don't know. Uh, you know suck that Chode was Belloc. Oh, man. That's just... I can't believe that. Look at that. The top three things. <laughs> yeah, Belloc, yeah. Philip Shooter, and Ivan Ooze. This guy's insane. Wow. Okay. I'm just... I, I, I'm going to be thinking about this all night. Um, but uh, oh, that's... in some ER. Okay. Fair enough. Who wasn't? Sure. I mean, let's Who be honest. Us? Who among us? Who among us was not? Uh, okay. So, anyway. Oh, no, no. He played Dr. Frederick Souls. In Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh, so interesting. So he's played two, 
people in Dr. Jones's life. Yeah. Um, I guess he would have been older then, so he could play like a different role at that point. Sure. That makes sense. That checks out. Come on. Yeah. Shout out to the goat. God. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. What a, what a, what a career. What a career. (laughs) Oh boy. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So, uh, we're on a, we're on a podcast network. We are. Yeah. The dueling genre podcast. Good ship dueling genre. Indeed. Uh, right now, uh, what do we got on the pipeline right now? We've got, we've got Rocky two and, uh, Rocky minute is doing Rocky two. We've got uh, James Silent Bob minute tackling mall rats. Hey, currently, um, we have teenage mutant Ninja turtles minute is back to talk about the secret of the ooze. Frere Jaca. Yeah. <laughs> Secret of the Use. They actually have a great interview with uh, John uh, John Dupre, the oh, uh, the the composer of all three live action Turtles movies. The guy who invented, who like wrote the yeah, that oh, guy. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's a great interview. Yeah, that that uh, that that's, <laughs> that series has had a number of very impressive guests on their show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they they have the benefit of having um uh like a really perfect movie for that sort of thing mm-hmm. because it's it's starring a bunch of people who are like famous but not that famous yeah. like not where they're not approachable mm-hmm. you know um and so like it's 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 been really cool seeing them get like so many like you know for their show like a list people yeah uh, yeah like, like really heavy really cool. hi- heavy hitters yeah. in that world right like, like one year ago they had the director of the original film yeah on. yeah um, so that's really, really cool. So check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a uh, minute as they start uh, covering Secret of the Ooze one minute at a time. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, check that out. I'm sure Harry Potter Minute is uh, coming back with uh, Prisoner of Azkaban uh, mm-hmm. shortly. Um, they've been gone for, uh, I, I mean, I think just about as long as their previous hiatus. So um, look for that. I'm sure that's coming down the pipeline as well. Reserve Azkaban's the one where they start wearing people clothes. It's true. Uh, Two Towers just wrapped up on Lord of the Rings Minute. So I think they're taking about a year off um, sure. before they start tackling Return of the King. Which, Who can blame them? Yeah, fair enough. Fair play. Uh, we've got the Doctor's Companion, which we just wrapped up all of Series Eleven, including the New Year's Day special. It was a it was an emotional roller coaster of a season. We it, were up, we were down. It's true. It's very true. Um, so if you are curious about our thoughts about the new season with Jodie Whittaker, uh, go go check Jody. that out, Jodie. Um, go go check that out of the Doctor's Companion, and then we're gonna return back to our uh, classic Doctor Who structure. Um, later this year. We talk about all the old ones. Yep, we talk about the old ones. Cthulhu, Asazoth. Um, and uh, uh, what else What else do we have? Do we have any other protagonist podcast still going mm-hmm. strong uh, weekly? Uh, talking about great, great, uh, great characters and great stories. Talking about very important issues. Yeah. Um, talking about, uh, they, they tend to alternate between, um, mediums. So they do, uh, they do a TV show and then a a movie, a book and a comic. Mm. So they do one of those each month or like every four weeks. However, that works. We had a lot going on. We had a lot of, a lot of different nets. Yeah. So, so check out uh, all the stuff at Dueling Genre. Um, and uh, if you're if you've got room in your podcast schedule, uh, duelinggenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, special thanks to our Patreon associate producer Ed Foster, and we'll be back tomorrow uh, with minute twenty-four for the greater good. For the greater good. We're